What I also did is I built out a year of programming and usually what happens is this is gonna sound super lazy, but it, took, it did take a while to build out all the programming. Right. But then at the end of the year, do you wanna renew, yes or no? Yes, reset the program. So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you wanna learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. What's up? Welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. This is your host, Aaron LeBauer, and today my special guest is Brandon Smith. And Brandon and I know each other from the internets, and uh, Brandon has some uh, some really amazing... Uh, what is it? Uh, you have like amazing point of view to share based on like, not just your opinions, but your education and background. So it's one of the reasons I want to have you come on the show. So thanks for joining us today, Brandon. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. And also, you are a, your physical therapist. You've got a, also a master's in public health and you do home health. You've got kind of a, a telehealth practice, a cash practice, a lot of different things. Sounds like my story. I was like, someone asked me the other day, can you tell us uh, how you got started? I'm like, well, it's 25 years and uh, two minutes is really tough. Um, where Clearly you didn't start in PT, right? You've started doing some other stuff. Yeah. So I have a kind of very, very unique story. Um, but I was actually, um, after I graduated my degree in biology, way back when, <laughs> I couldn't get a job doing anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that was a waste of time. I delivered food for a few years. Um, and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, oh, let me see what I want to do. I shadowed a few professions and I ended up getting a master's degree in public health just because I was like, I could do public health. It's not that bad. And like, you know, it's so I could still work in any profession with that background. Mm -hmm. So what happened after that was I then worked in clinical trials for a bit, developing drugs and so on. And uh, I actually wrote this in my PT school personal statement, I believe, yeah. which was that I realized half the drugs we were developing, the people just saw PTs, like <laughs> we, we would be out of business. Right. Um, so then, I, then what happened was I decided PT was, was the route for me. I ended up uh, going to PT school. I actually only applied once. I got in the two out of three schools I applied to. I ended up doing that. Um, and then I got out of PT school and I was like, oh, this is nothing that I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. So, um, I can get more, more into that a, a bit later or, or now, but it's like, you know, you think you go to PT school, you get your doctorate, you come out, you think like everything's going to be fine. And then it's like, if you don't know the business side of the profession, you're not going to be fine. Yeah. What did you think was going to happen when you graduated and what was the reality of what did happen? So like, everyone's like, oh, you have your doctorate in physical therapy and then like you're out, you're practicing and it's like oh, you can get a doctorate in anything these days. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and uh, it's obviously, I believe why, why you hate the insurance-based model, model as, as do I. No. <laughs> um, just really insurance-based care. If you go through the doctorate level education now and you work in an insurance-based environment, you're going to burn out. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to happen. Like, it's just, I remember it happened to me pretty quickly out of school. I also was in a different situation at the time, but I was just like, wow, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy. I mean, so, <laughs> cause the same thing happened to me. I, I worked in restaurants for a while. I was a line chef. I, I was, I did all kinds of things. I was a, I was a, um, what's called a temp. Did you ever do that? Yeah, I actually did. Uh, I think when I graduated high school, I temp for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was a temp and I graduated college and people treated me like I didn't know the alphabet. <laughs> yeah I was like really so what happened like so you graduated and yes. you're in a job and then like what was the turning point like what what changed for you or what 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 woke you up to like I gotta do something completely different so when I graduated like nobody really talked about I did, I did a blog on this when I graduated I think for Fitbox, but uh nobody talks about that like if you were like taking out loans and you don't take your boards early or anything like that. You're not going to have any more money coming in. So you need to work like immediately, no matter what that is. So I actually ended up taking a job in, um, in home health in the Tampa area. And basically the people that owned it were actually other PTs. And 
I didn't know at the time, but they were underpaying me, taking advantage of new grads. And I was like, okay, well, this is why everyone says don't work in home health out of school. And um, once I was, one day I was just fed up because they wouldn't give me like an extra like 25 cents for mileage. And I'm like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. Like I can make more money doing something else. Uh, <laughs> so, so I was just getting really fed up because it was like, you know, basically this, this organization that worked for preyed on new grads. Mm-hmm. I bought into it. Um, and then like two days later, I put a resume out and indeed I got called from another home health company and I'm, I'm three months out of graduation right now. I walk into this company they give me a six figure offer like to start that day. And I'm like, I just graduated three months ago. I have a contract that says, you know, here's a hundred thousand dollar salary. And then I was like, okay, so it doesn't have to be as bad as it was. Like why, why did they do this? And I realized once I looked at the contract and everything that the people that were using me, and unfortunately it is other PTs for the most part was they basically take new grads, they underpay them. And I understand the business model that you're taking a percentage, but a lot of these companies are taking like 70% mm-hmm. per visit and they got into this weird dynamic. And then I was at this ethical company for about a year or two. And um, my first few months there, I realized this stuff that was happening wasn't only happening to me. It was happening to a lot of other new grads. Right. So I just started putting out content on YouTube and all of a sudden it just blew up because everyone was having these same problems. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, well, let me just make a course on what you need to do. I started making a course and then I think I only had like probably 80 subscribers on YouTube at the time. Yeah. First day I launched the course, $3,000 in course sales. And like, it was just like, it was okay. So I'm actually solving a problem. Like, yes, I, there's some reason I really only did the course, which I believe is smart now is just some stuff is HIPAA protected. And like, I have them sign a waiver once they take the course, just to make sure that, you know, if I'm going to walk you through how to do something complicated, there's no patient information on the screen. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of weird. Like if I didn't have that experience, obviously I want to know about this. But then what happened was crazy is people started getting back to me and be like, hey, I took your course and I just got an offer for 135000 and I just graduated two months ago. And I'm like, wow. you paid $200 for my course and you're making $135,000? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then from there, other things took off and it was like, okay, so now I have the extra money from the course. Um, I had the six-figure salary at the time. So it was like, then I started funding other projects Cause from that insurance model, that model where I needed like physician orders for everything and then mm-hmm. kind of having this other model. And though I still was kind of working that insurance based setting though for like pay I deserve, I was like, okay, like I'm tired of having other people dictate how much money I can make. Right. And it got to a point where now um, I got lucky during coronavirus and everything. I had all this stuff set up. So like I've actually made core sales during coronavirus. I recently got my course approved for, CEUs, which apparently is a very easy process. You just give the state board like $400. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, but it's just like all this stuff just happened. And then the one thing though, I think a lot of people miss is, is they, they get stuck in a thing, they don't, uh, in a position they don't like, and, and they're afraid to just leave it and they keep tolerating it. I mean, we see right. it all the time on, on Instagram, people posting stuff that's just absurd. Like, Hey, my employer just changed my hours. What other profession is, the, is, 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 is that okay? So I think though a lot of people just tolerate stuff and um, I'm not saying I encourage people to quit their jobs, but the majority of people I've told to quit their jobs or have been like, oh, your course told me to quit my job and I'm much better off now. I'm like, see what yeah. happens when you don't tolerate it? Right. Why do you think as a profession we're, we ta- you know, I mean, you and I don't, but like PTs, we as a profession are more tolerant of, low salaries, low wages, um, kind of being pushed around, you know, like it seems like that's happening quite a bit. I think it's a systemic problem. I think it goes back to PT schools. Unfortunately, I know when I took a business class in PT school, which apparently some classes don't even give that, but they, uh, our schools don't give that. They were like, Oh, you know, the new grad rate is like 65 grand. And I was like, no, it's not like (laughs) if you're paying at least, six figures for a degree now, you know, DPT is going to be at least six figures, maybe in Texas, a little bit cheaper, but usually Mm -hmm. you're paying at least six figures. There's no reason to take, you know, like you can make 80, make it back, but like when it's 60, something like that, like you're told that's a new grad rate or, you know, you're a new grad years of experience, but then you look at the business side and you're like, your license bills the same if you're using the insurance based model, then why would you do that? I don't know if people are afraid again, though, it goes to two. Like I, I had the classmates in PT school, you know, their first job may have been being a PT. Um, that's the reality for some people. And maybe they just don't know any better. I think a lot of that has to do with education. 
Uh, people also maybe lack confidence. I mean, um, I've dealt with a lot of stuff before PT school as, um, you know, you said you dealt with stuff too. So maybe you're more, you're like, Hey, I'm not going to tolerate that. It could just be a life, life experience issue. Uh, I really don't know at this point. I know with declining reimbursement, and everything I tell everyone, I'm like, I'm like, listen, like you can still make money in home health, which is why my course promotes that. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I say either go cash pay right when you graduate or be a traveler. Because yeah. even if it sucks as a traveler, you're done in 13 weeks. Right. And you know, so like, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think the, I think you said like the life experience is one piece. Cause I remember being in PT school and a couple of my, my lab partners, I was like, I was excited about being in there and, and finding the pterygoids and like, wow. And they're like, why is that so impressive? I was like, cause I've been seeing people with, problems with in the in their jaw you know for years as a massage therapist I was like this is really cool to see and they were like oh and I was like well why are you here they're like well it was the next best thing to do with a sports science degree and I was like oh you know like (laughs) I was like okay and the next person was like well I don't really like dealing with sick people you know like okay you're in the wrong profession right so if people are graduating and they don't really know what's up how do they, you know, and, and, and the schools aren't really giving them a good um, perspective on here's a, here's, a ta- here's a good salary, here's a bad salary, this is what you should expect, because I don't think that we got that. How are people supposed to figure this out? They're not. I've actually made YouTube videos where I'm saying why you should or why you shouldn't be a DPT. I say, you know, if you just want doctor after your name, you're probably not going to be satisfied being a DPT because mm-hmm. you can do anything and get that after your name. Realistically, you know, if you want to, you know, rehab stroke patients and that's what you see yourself doing 10 years from now, then you probably should, should do it. You know, if you don't see the longevity in it, then like, is that really what you want to do? I mean, that's something that I struggled with for a while too. I'm like, cause I hurt my wrist a while back and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, but then I'm like, well, you don't need to do manual therapy on everybody. So it doesn't really matter. But like, <laughs> yeah, so I, if, if someone's graduating or they're looking at a job prospect, what are some red flags that they should pay attention to besides just salary? Uh, I always say go on Glassdoor. Uh, usually lots of companies are on Glassdoor, even mm-hmm. smaller ones. You can read employee reviews on there. Uh, another thing is if you just feel that it doesn't feel fair to you, it, pro- it probably isn't. Also right. at the same time, if it's too good to be true, have someone else review it. Like when I got my six figure full-time job contract, I sent it to three other people that I trusted before I signed, mm-hmm. you know, and if anybody's pressuring you to sign something that day, don't sign it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So why, why in home health can you earn six? I mean, is it easy to earn six figures or is it take a special kind of negotiation? It's, it, it, it was easier before all these changes, but it mm-hmm. still is possible. Uh, what we saw happen was basically before this, the more therapy you provided, the more a- the more money the agency got. Mm-hmm. However, so many PTs didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you want, if you're the therapist, you're making all the revenue for the agency. That's what happened pre-January 2020. What happened now is now if you're a quality clinician, you make more money. So if your outcomes are good and you can treat a variety of patients, you'll make more money for the agency. There's this whole billing and revenue scheme that like I broke it down on YouTube multiple times and people still ask me questions for it. I have it in my course. It gets very, very complicated. I am under the impression that CMS hates therapy. I'm just going to say that. I'm pretty sure CMS just hates therapy altogether. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah. I mean, if you, you would think if they like therapy and they thought that people going to the hospital and getting surgery was really expensive, there'd be an easy alternative. Well, just seeing what we saw with COVID, what's, we, were, we already saw they, they cut SNFs, they cut home health. But home health, they didn't really cut something with SNFs. It's basically what they did was a lot of places were committing fraudulent therapy because, again, the more therapy you provide, the more money you get. Right. So they did in skilled nursing facilities – People are getting like 720 minutes of therapy, which is like, that's kind of ridiculous. But every single patient, regardless of the di- diagnosis, was getting mm-hmm. that. So they were like, no, we're cutting this off, which, which I understand from a business perspective, especially when you're paying for that. Right. In the home health, people were seeing patients when they're already, you know, should be outpatient or cash pay or what have you. So now it's more like, is the patient getting better in a certain number of visits? If you can provide like eight to 10 visits and get your patient where they need to be to go to outpatient, mm-hmm. then you're going to get a lot of money as an agency. Uh, but what we saw now with, uh, 
they were supposed, I believe, next year to cut outpatient by 8%, right? Is right. that correct? Yeah, so 8%. 8%. Yeah, and then even if you did everything correctly, say you did your MIPS reporting, like you take blood pressure, weight, all of that, even if you did all of that like perfectly, they would still only decrease that cut by 3%. So it's like, is it worth it if I'm still going to lose 5% of my money? Mm-hmm. And then with COVID, we saw that they refused to pay for telehealth for like two to three months before they're like, okay, maybe we'll pay for telehealth now. Right. So, <laughs> like, yeah, it's so, kind of nuts. So, yeah. so what's the, so there's, there's definitely more than one way to make a hundred thousand as a PT or as an employee, yeah. right? Yeah. Besides getting a, a sweet job at home health, what are some of the other ways that you've helped people? do that or have done it yourself? So, so obviously, um, my course was one that we mentioned. Another thing I've been doing, I've done so a student was I've actually had, um, I've used Trainerize as an online platform. I've had remote fitness and nutrition clients. Mm-hmm. I was actually doing that even as a student. People were yelling at me. They're like, your license doesn't say you can do that. And I'm like, well, I have clients and I don't really care. So <laughs> like, <laughs> like if somebody wants to pay me for a service and I'm a student and like I have personal training certs, nutrition certs, like I don't see the problem in it. They're saying right. like they're infringing on my PT scope. So I've, I've done that. I, I've used Trainerize to have a variety of clients. And actually, I think if you wanted to try one client, I think your first client's actually free on that platform. Mm-hmm. So if you know, if you want to try it out, it's free. I've actually grown now to a recurring fee of, of about 10 clients. So that just recurs every month. But what I also did is I built out a year of programming and usually what happens is it's going to sound super lazy, but it, took, it did take a while to build out all the programming. Right. But then at the end of the year, do you want to re, do you want to renew? Yes or no? Yes. Reset the program. Like, right. So, so there's that. Um, I've also been doing a, a few, a few other things that like, um, I, I've worked with a few different affiliates and then I've done, done a few other things, uh, here and here and now through telehealth, uh, right now through telehealth, I've been, I have multiple licenses cause I was a traveler. Mm-hmm. So before COVID I was actually, um, actually I'm in Alabama now, which is why I'm an hour behind, but okay. I was on a contract here in Alabama. I was actually, this is kind of crazy, but what I was doing, I was working six to eight hours a week. I was being a traveler four days a week and doing home health PRN other days. And I was netting like, 3k a week after tax and mm-hmm. then i was also treating cash pay out of a crossfit gym so like so i was kind of before covid i was in a very very like perfect spot right. <laughs> um so i've been doing a, because i'm a traveler though i have a florida and alabama and i have a texas license so i've been doing telehealth through a variety of platforms and also my own cash pay telehealth just as long as they're in that state mm-hmm. so it's like so i've, I've done that as well and what I have noticed with that is obviously the more licenses you have, the easier it is to contract. And right. due to COVID for Texas, I didn't even need the didn't need to do the fingerprinting because they just waived it. Because yeah. So are you like also contracting yourself through other companies for telehealth? So well I'm doing. So I'm I'm contracting through my LLC, so that mm-hmm. way I'm still like cash poor on paper, so I don't have to pay as much taxes at the end of the year. I'm mm-hmm. not going to talk about tax evasion, but like so. Like, <laughs> Uh, but that way the company gets paid. So yeah, 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 right on. Well, the company still pays taxes too. It's just yeah, where it's you just, put it. Yeah, it's just different. It's just that I don't want to be taxed as much, and especially last uh, last year when I was making a lot of money as a full time employee mm-hmm. by putting what writing off like my rent and stuff in my business because it was you know online business. It's right. They have a lot in taxes. So. Yeah, yeah, but that's um, that's the way you're supposed to be doing it is taking advantage of the business and tax laws. Yes. Yes. A lot of people don't though. (laughs) Right. A lot of people don't, but that's why, I mean, but that's, that separates and differentiates uh, people that struggle. Like, I mean, I, for years had, couldn't figure it out until I found the right accountant and he was like, Oh, well we just need to set up your business a different way because the last accountant I was using wasn't used to working with and advising people who own their own business and have one or two employees or max, you know, it's working with hundreds of employees and they, he was like, whatever, <laughs> you don't care. You don't matter. So Brandon, I want to ask like what changed like when, so I always like to date these now cause it's, was it uh, May 15th? Right? Yeah. 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 It's May 15th. So when coronavirus thing started um, a couple months ago, what changed for you and when, and, and what are you doing now? So I was a traveler actually in a rural town in Alabama. Um, people don't actually realize this for travel contracts. I'm actually make a YouTube video on it later, but if you don't make as much, but you go to like a rural town where the cost of living is like $600 for everything, yeah. like 
you actually end up making more money than taking like a high paying contract in California. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that. And then what happened was as it ramped up, there was a patient drop off, patient drop because nobody wants to be seen. And then like um, the contract I had, they called my travel company and they're like, hey, like uh, we're gonna have to cut this contract because we don't have any patients. We don't have any patients, we don't have any revenue. We, we can't pay him. And I was like, at that point though, um, that clinic specifically, I was already doing an outpatient uh, contract at the time, that clinic specifically. And the only reason I would ever do standard outpatient is travel pay. I would never mm -hmm. go back to that outside the travel pay. So like, that's the only reason I was there. Um, I just, I can't deal with it if I'm not getting travel pay or cash pay. Like, um, so that clinic at the time, they were being kind of negligent, honestly. They were not really following the social distancing. And I was like, hey, like, you know, like, you don't have a workers comp case like this. This is like not, not good. Like there was one patient that was in the lobby that had, had a, like a temperature and it's like, get out of the clinic. Like, you know, like if you have a temperature, you're going you're gonna to get kicked out, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, so there, there was some issues with that. So we decided to part ways, um, still like we're okay. It was just that she was a older MSPT that ran that clinic and the way that she ran it, I just didn't really agree with, especially during infection control policies, especially with my background right. in public health. So cut that and I came home. I had enough travel money saved. I just kind of chilled for like a month or so, but also at the same time, like I've actually been pretty much okay because of everything I've established online, I've even had some of my cash pay patients reach out to me and being like, Hey, can you do, do a um, FaceTime with me, even though they were back back in Tampa where I was living before right. or, or just um, other things that have been set up. So, so since then I've honestly just been home. I, I bought a pair of barbells and weights and we've been training every day. Um, but like most, nothing has really changed except I've just been doing therapy from home. Right. right. <laughs> like, I mean, you were able to do that because you weren't relying on just one source of revenue. You had multiple options yeah. and, and sources of revenue already kind of set up, even if they weren't, one of them wasn't sustainable by itself for some of them probably. Yeah. Together, they give you options and flexibility. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I realized this, this was, uh, when I graduated PT school, I basically, there was one point, obviously this while, so I left that job is like, I was working really, really hard. And like, I was like living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, but it was mostly just due to an unfair situation. But then mm -hmm. I got to a point one time where I was like, okay, like, do I, like, I need to pay my rent. Like how much money do I have for food? And I had to really sit down and like budget, like, you know, like what goes here, what goes here, what's go here. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people have been pushed to that point where they don't know, like, what they're going to do, you know, right. Usually there's someone always to rely on. And like, um, I've actually, so this is gonna get a little bit dark in a second. So that's okay. So, mm -hmm. so, um, so growing up, uh, I mostly lived in a single mom household, but my dad was actually a surgeon. So my, so when I was with my dad, like spend the money like crazy, taking me to Ritz Carlton with my mom, you're on free lunch. Like, you know, mm -hmm. so, so you get to see, you get to see, see both worlds. Um, but then when I was uh, around 19, uh, I lost my dad in early, early like 2007. And then my mom, like in 2008. So I lost both my parents at a very, very young age. So mm -hmm. like after high school, um, about a year into like, I think college, like I lost both my parents and I dropped out for a bit and I didn't know what to do. Uh, but that experience was like, okay, I had some life insurance to live off of. I basically ran out of that by the time I went to PT school. Cause it's like years later. Right. Um, and then I got to a point where it's like, okay, like, now I have nobody to rely on. I'm out. I have my DPT. Like I can't ask anyone really for anything. Like I need to just be in control of my, my, my shit really. And, mm -hmm. and then what happened was like, I was pushed so far against the wall that actually by me, like leaving that first job and doing all sorts of opportunities. However, if I never went through those experiences again, where it's like, okay, you don't have anybody to rely on. Right. I don't think I would have been as cautious in making everything else work mm -hmm. so like it's like and also like when i tell my story people are like holy shit i didn't know that happened to you and it's like i usually don't tell that very much but it's just because i feel like people don't understand like once you get pushed to a point it's like if a system doesn't work for you you have to create your own system right yeah why do you i mean do you think just some people i mean as pts we've had it really too good for a long time like up until two months ago, it was like, you could just say, Hey, I'm going to go work somewhere else and find a job somewhere. Cause you know, there was plenty of jobs. 
Um, do you think it's just that people, you know, have it too, have had it too easy or it's, they haven't been, they haven't allowed themselves to get pushed up against the wall and just kind of quit and just slid around the corner. I think, you know what I, mean? from, I think from what I've deal, dealt with, I'm sure you have too. I've had people reach out to me that have asked me questions forever. And I'm like, bro, I told you what to do. <laughs> like, like, like I was like, do this, this, and this. And like, it's, it really has to go to, I think they, they want their, their handheld. They're afraid of risk. Right. Or, or it, it could be that it could be other factors, but from my experience, what I've seen with people that need to do certain aspects is they're on the fence about it, but they're too afraid or not confident in their abilities to make the transition they need to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how do people learn how to be confident in their decisions? Mm-hmm. I think you just have to fail and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, what's the what's the decision that you've made that didn't turn out the way you like the biggest one that you're like, well, I mean whether it was a failure, I don't look at back at things and see them as failures as much. But what was the one that you made and it wasn't the right decision? And I'm trying to think. I, obviously, when I took my first job out of school, that was that was a terrible decision. Um, I was basically didn't do my research, didn't like have anyone vet anything, didn't really talk to anybody. I think a lot of people too. They keep a lot of stuff private, which is which is fine. But I think when it comes to stuff that matters, stuff that's gonna matter to you, that mm-hmm. like you should talk to other people about. It. A lot of people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I know, especially nobody wants to talk about money either. Right. It, it's kind of strange to me that you could spend a hundred thousand dollars on a DPT degree, but you don't want to talk about how much money you're gonna make at the end. So I think there's some taboo subjects. They say you know they'll talk about like money, politics, religion, but right. In an industry where you've paid a lot of money to be a doctor of physical therapy, you need to talk about money to make sure it's worth your ROI. Right, right. Do you think it's, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking here. Do you think it's because, all right, now I've got this huge loan. I can't even fathom how much 100,000, 150,000, and even I know people have $350,000 loans, school loans, forget it, to get a physical therapy degree. Okay, I can't even fathom that. You know, I haven't really had a job outside of PT or even when I did, I got $45 an hour if I was lucky. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're sitting here going, okay, how do I make 100000 How do I afford to, you know, spend money to better myself? I'm not willing to do that, especially if it's something that's outside of being a therapist rather than learning how to manage money, earn money, be a business owner. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. where, like where's the, where's the, um, where do you feel like the gap is? Like, where's what's missing there? I think right? it depends depends on the person. I think some people don't want to be business owners. It depends what someone's success is. You know, like it's it, it really depends. But when it comes to you know, like I don't know what to do outside of therapy. Well, you know, go on YouTube, look around, see what other people are doing. Like, just see what you want to do. Like, you could say that, like, hey, I just want to be able to pay my rent and that's all I want to be able to do. And you can consider yeah. yourself successful. Like, it's really going to depend on a variety of factors for each person. I I don't think that every PT should be a business owner. Um, like, you know, so like, it, it, it really is going to come on variety of factors up for that. I do think though people think that they can only be a PT when no, like I started putting out stuff on YouTube. I'm almost at like a thousand subscribers. And I didn't even do it that long ago. And now people are reaching mm-hmm. out to me for coaching and all of this other stuff. And it's like, I never knew that I was going to help somebody get their company to pay for like their board certification. But apparently I did like, right. you know, so right. like, I that's think awesome. It, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff that we're taught as PTs. And I think also this goes back to PT school. You know, you're taught like, and this always hated, I always hate this PT school where it's like, oh, you did an excellent job on your practical, but you missed this box. So we're going to take points off. So, <laughs> so, so it's like in the real world, your patient would be happy. Your patient's right. still alive, but because you didn't like do something, you lose points. So that way it's ingrained in you to do this black and white way of doing things. And I understand for public safety, obviously, you know, if you're walking somebody on the ventilator, of course, mm-hmm. that needs to be there. But for general, general PT stuff, like you don't really need to do everything. Like I did the telehealth consult the other day that was cash pay. Um, and this is actually a physician that want to get back to kiteboarding. And uh, he was like, I talked to him for like 10 minutes. And he's like, here's, here's your $100 for 10 minutes by like, he said, <laughs> like, you know, like, 
Like, so like that would, but that eval would never fly in PT school. Right. So, right. Right. Cause you're not asking about, you know, do you have a railing at your front <laughs> gate, your front steps and how many steps do you have? And are they concrete or slate? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We see it too with all the strength and conditioning um, PTs that come out now. They're like, yeah, like nobody knows strength and conditioning. We see that too. We, I think I saw the APTA put out a video of strength and conditioning. I'm like, this is a terrible video. Like, so like, it, it's just, we, we see it a lot that there's this black and white way. It depends. And schools aren't standardized. And now with everything else going on, like everything's yeah. online now. So I don't know what's going to happen with, you know, manual skills when they are required. Uh, right. So, so it's, it's changing all the ways, but I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, schools or maybe just life experience during grade. There's this way and that way, this way and that way. And so that way you don't see yourself doing stuff outside of being a PT. Right. Right. What, um, what, you know, Brandon, when, uh, like a month or two ago, when the coronavirus thing started ramping up, I saw a couple of your videos and I'm going to shift a little bit, but this has to do with some of what we've talked about is you were obviously experiencing at the clinic where you're at, um, uh, a way of operating that you didn't agree with. Yes. Or how to how how they should um, practice or open or operate with an infectious you know disease and pandemic that's um, available for everyone to pick up, um, which is I think my nice way of saying it. And at the time, from where I was sitting in North Carolina there was five different messages about what's happening. Mm -hmm. I guess what I, what I want to go back to is what was the problem you saw and why did you feel it was so necessary to make sure that people knew about it? And I think a big part of it was what I heard you saying is that there's clinics opening and they're staying open when they shouldn't because they need to make, you know, for whatever reason, because you know, they're, they're, they were getting the mixed message. So I want you to tell me a little bit about that because I might have it wrong, but it was something like that. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's something that I need to think about. Right. So, uh, uh, yeah. So it wasn't just where I was, it was happening, happening where I was, but also what was happening is people were reaching out to me just for my public health doctor, people that knew me. Um, and some people that I went to PT school with were like, Hey, I don't feel safe at my clinic, but, um, our big name clinic, big box clinic, our, our yeah. real clinic, what have you, isn't shutting down and I don't feel safe. Like we don't have PPE. There's patients coughing on me. And I'm, I wasn't only getting messages like this, like, but my box was full of messages like this. And I was like, okay, well, let me just make a video. Um, obviously it's going to piss a few people off, but right. I was like, you know, I have a background in public health. I've studied infectious disease, tropical disease, all basically any sort of infectious disease I've studied at some point in my life. So I was like, you know, as a PT who's under, understands the public health side, let me just put up this video saying that like, should you be open? Should you not be open? And um, CDC has guidelines as well. And the problem that I was seeing is, so there were outpatient clinics following CDC guidelines. They had N95s and, and those clinics are doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm. But then you have a mill, big box clinic, there's 20 people in the small space, no mask, no nothing. We didn't know much about the virus at the time, respiratory virus. Obviously, it's evolved now. We're not sure if that's serious. We're going to have a second wave. We don't really know. But it was like, I didn't want us as PTs to be the source of an outbreak. Mm -hmm. And if we were, that's going to lose us direct access privileges. Because right. for years, people have fought us on direct access privileges based on safety. Mm -hmm. So if all these PT clinics all of a sudden have outbreaks, outbreaks of coronavirus and it's the source, I believe ATI in Alaska actually was the source about a week after I made that video. Yeah. Um, so like, like it's going to set the profession back, set direct access back. Like I still don't know why we don't have direct access in all states, why I can't needle whoever I want. Like, you know, so like it, it's just like, for me, it was a bigger issue. It wasn't me just being like, hey, don't cough on me because like you might have the virus. It was like, if we don't stand up as a profession and actually do what's safe for our patients, mm -hmm. it's okay. And, and everyone's like, oh, we're, we're essential, which is fine. Yes, you're essential. Like I'm saying PD is essential, but you, you could have done telehealth that whole time. And, right. um, and then what happened, I got a lot of messages, people like, people that I didn't even know from PT school were like, this is why nobody likes you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't really know you, but thanks. Like, and then, and then other people were sending me messages about, you know, how they're essential. They need to stay open. And I'm like, well, you can just, you know, go and tell us. And 
some of the older PCs are like, well, I don't know how to use a computer. And I'm like, well, there's multiple courses and free resources out there on, you know, how to do it. And now I believe you can even at one point use, use FaceTime and still get reimbursed for it, depending on right. who the payer is. So it just got to a point where it was like, I don't think that if there's a respiratory virus going around that a mm-hmm. shoulder needs, needs to be mobilized, you know, uh, again, the difference is because I still do some PRN home health. Like if I go to, even if I see outpatient elective ortho, cause right now for that, I'm, I'm like, Hey, I'm not seeing any COVID patients. And they're like, okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. I was like, but I'll see knee, knee replacements. But even for that, they gave me a face shield an N95, everything. Again, there's more nursing staff. So they have all of that, but it's like, for what was going on. And again, there were multiple clinics in all states that were doing exactly what they're supposed to do. However, it's a few of the, unfortunately, the bigger chain clinics that usually pay a therapist less that were basically just trying to max out profits. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people like got mad at me for that video, but I was, I was honestly trying to protect the profession from losing more direct access privileges. You know, imagine if it was not just that one clinic that had an outbreak, but every PD clinic in every state starts having outbreaks. Right. You know, like, yes, you're going to lose some revenue, but at the same time, it's like, do you, people aren't going to come back to you if they know there was an outbreak there. Right. I think that didn't New York or Massachusetts, one of those states lose some kind of access to PT and other therapy services. I think New York did. Not 100% sure, but I think New York did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like for outpatient therapy, you had to have a... A physician's referral or script now all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, that was because people were supposed to stay home and they, they weren't. And so they had to specify that, which it was like, I just don't know why that wasn't a consensus. I understand from the revenue side, but at the same time, when I made that video, I was like, if we all just stay home for two weeks, we all don't make money for two weeks. Nobody else is making money for two weeks. Problem solved. (laughs) Do you think like, I mean, do you think like that problem is, I mean, is it a lack of knowledge of, from people like how serious this is? Is it because there was no centralized message from the federal government or even the APTA of how we should be operating? Or, you know, was it more driven by if I don't have any money, you know, a fear type of thing, I, my business is going to die out and I got to stay open? I think it was a factor of all of them. One thing that I didn't like, though, is I didn't like how the APTA kind of refused to like talk back to the biggest sponsors at events. I saw this too though, in, in um, when PDPM and PDGM hit last year. Mm-hmm. So it was funny, the biggest companies that basically laid off therapists or reduced their salaries are the biggest sponsors of the APTA. They didn't right. say anything. Uh, for this, the big companies um, like ATI, as I mentioned, that usually sponsor big APTA events, like the APTA doesn't want to step on, you know, like or bite the hand that feeds them because a lot of their membership comes from those companies. So I think that's a huge problem. The other problem too, though, is as PTs, we are so diverse, you know, we have home health, acute, sniff, cash pay, what have you. So they can't say that, you know, therapy is not essential because then all the therapists at the hospital have to go. Right. Right. So, so there's that message as well. I think though, too, uh, there's also an infection control issues. I mean, I've, for the past two years, I've actually always wore gloves when I've treated even manually mm-hmm. and people are like, that's rude. I'm like, nah, I'm just going to wear gloves. I don't know where this person's body's been like, <laughs> so like uh, I, I've always wore gloves for the past two years. So it's just like, uh, I've seen people that, you know, that like maybe haven't washed their hands between patients or you see people like using TheraBand coughing on it, then like giving it to somebody else. So like there's poor infection control in general in some PT settings, not all, but some, uh, again, like it's going to vary between settings, but I know in general outpatient clinics that were staying open, the infection control standards are just not as followed as they would be in a hospital. Mm-hmm. So I've been actually looking for my clinic and people that have asked me like, there is no clear rule or guideline of what we need to do to reopen. I mean, it probably because therapy is so broad. And if you look in one place, it's basically how do you do it in a hospital setting? And in the other instance, it's, it's more, the, there's more clarity on gyms and spas <laughs> yeah. than physical therapy. What would be the, what would be the top two or three things that, you know, from, from your experience and background that you would be doing if you owned a brick and mortar clinic or you're going back into someone's house, let's say mobile wise, if, you know, outside of telehealth, like once we finish up with telehealth or we transition people back in the clinic, what were the couple things like 
are gloves really that important? So Ma- I don't, you know, masks, like, you know, washing my hands versus um, sanitizer. I mean, what are the, what are the things that people need to be aware of and what should people be hearing? So I always recommend that if you're a clinic owner or a patient, there's a bunch of questions on the CDC website that have been out there for months now. And you could ask your patient, have you met out of the country within 14 days? Have you, have you taken your temperature today? What is it? There's certain guidelines. Um, have you been exposed to anyone with COVID? Have you had COVID? What have you? So you know the quarantine period. So far as gloves, you don't really need gloves, uh, especially in just standard outpatient cash pay. I, I would wear, wear a mask just in case for you and the patient, just a surgical mask, not like an N95 or anything like that. Uh, yeah. As long as the patient is healthy, you know, if the patient fails any screening questions, the patient has a high, high fever, or you know, they've been out of the country, then say, hey, we have to wait two weeks, but I can see you through telehealth. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's healthy, you're healthy, surgical masks um, on, on each of you. Um, you can wear gloves. You cannot. doesn't really matter right now. Um, for me, it was just, I didn't like touching people's sweaty feet. That's why I wear gloves. Right. But like, so like um, as long as you're washing your hands, hands thoroughly. So, and then also like nobody else in the clinic or if they are, they're at least six feet away or so that it's not like a, a bunch of people in there at once. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, even actually there's a CrossFit gym here that I've been working out at, and they, what they did is they reopened and they put, separate boxes that are six feet apart. So each person has their six foot box with a barbell, what have you, but it's limited and you can't go unless you sign up like before and you fill out all these screening questions. Right. So, so very, unfortunately there's more guidance for that than. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was looking on APTA website like yesterday and there's not like a, like if you own a clinic or you, you do it, like even if you work for someone, this is the checklist. Like it would be really helpful. wouldn't it (laughs) unfortunately um this is the one year i haven't renewed my apta membership i may do again in the future but the reason i haven't was i was reading what they put out for as far as like student loans and covid and all this stuff and it was not accurate so i was like this isn't this isn't helping anybody so (laughs) like it's just a lot of the information you, you have to read you have to go through but i think that if your state allows you to be open first check with your state obviously um or or you and the other party agree and you're both healthy, you can do it as long as everything's followed. What the problem I've seen here is people do it once and then get lazy and they're like back to full function. Like right. we don't know if a second wave is going to come. Like I don't know if a second wave is going to come. We could all open, reopen the economy and everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, or we could reopen everything and then it's like, Hey, we messed up. So I think the best thing to do is honestly just see one-on-one, do the best you can, screen your patients and screen yourself as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think this is the uh, end or a big blow for the big mills right now? I don't know, unfortunately, because of what I've seen with their billing practices is, I mean, I'm pretty sure places are supposed to be closed and they've just been billing constantly, billing constantly, billing constantly. Yeah. I've got messages. People are like, oh yeah, they reduced my hours, but they're still billing the same. And it's like, well, if they're billing off your license, why aren't you getting a percentage of that? So like, right. Because you, I mean, you can't put five people on a plinth right now or maybe you can, but you shouldn't. I I honestly don't know. I think the general public doesn't know any better. Yeah. I think that's, that's a bigger problem too is, you know, I remember I was in Chicago not too long ago and there was like the same big mill everywhere and I'm like how are there's so many locations of, the, of this one clinic mm-hmm. so I, I really don't know again though as I always say like I recommend travel or cash pay honestly <laughs> like, yeah. what um what do you think is the big opportunity for physical therapists um from today forward like whether it's now next year or in the future I think right now telehealth is going to be very, very big, obviously, just because we, what we've learned is a lot of the stuff that we thought we needed, we didn't. I know even places that have had offices on the Wall Street for years are like, hey, we're not going to rent that space anymore because we don't need it. So, Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Anything specific th- for you? Like, you know, did, I mean, have you had the ex- personal experience where you were doing hands-on manual stuff with people and now just talking to them, getting them to do their own thing? Like, you're like, I don't actually need to manipulate you. I've always thought that except for like really high level athletes, most of what I've done as a PT has been education. Mm-hmm. So I, I've kind of always thought that I, for my high level athletes and my CrossFitters and the, I used to work with the NFL as a student, we would do more like HVLA and what have you. But 
For the majority of people that I treat, it's mostly strength training and education. And mm-hmm. you can do that from anywhere. And I've always kind of believed that. Um, I, I did allow me to spend more time on content, work at home. I did realize that like, this is actually maybe invest in a bunch of stuff to make more content. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right on. Yeah. Is um, right now is is it still a good time to get in and do home health? Like, if someone's like, "Man, I'm not that busy in my own business. Like, I should be doing home health on the side." Or it, is it, it? It depends. It it depends. There's a variety of of things going on right now. Like, usually, if you're going to treat COVID patients, then you would only be the COVID PT, and you'd stay away from everybody. But you'd only see the COVID patients, and usually get like a hazard rate, or you can pick up a travel contract doing that. Mm-hmm. Or you could do what I do where patients need to be seen because elective surgeries are starting again. And if you just want to be the elective surgery PT, they, there might be a huge need for that. Right now, what we're seeing is uh, basically the market's kind of just changing right now a lot. You could also, again, do, do cash pay. Uh, again, though, you'd have to screen everything, sanitize everything. Right. It's, it's going to like really, really change. I think what this showed a lot of people is how bad or how good their employers can treat them and kind of, you know, what they want to do and what they can do to be safe if this happens again or a second wave comes once we return to normal. Yeah. I've been, have people, like, I don't really know. Have people been let go from their home health jobs? Unlike the traveling? I mean, like traveling is one thing cause that's a short contract, right? Yeah. They're being let go and are being rehired. Uh, no. So, so most, most home health is actually, Actually, home health's actually been booming because what happens is, I don't know if you know about BCPIs or BPCIs. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So so what that was, it's a bundled payment for ortho groups. So prior to this, what they would do is give you four home health visits and then you go to outpatient that's usually physician owned Mm -hmm. because if you do that, the surgeon makes the most amount of money. So it makes sense from a business perspective. But now patients are like, nah, I'm not going outpatient. Like mm-hmm. the therapist comes here. So why can't I stay there? So now actually we're seeing an extension of home health visits, especially from the insurance side, because patients are like, Hey, I either want telehealth or home health, but I'm not going anywhere. Right. So there's actually a huge increase in that. You also got patients to say, I don't want to see anybody leave me alone, but mm-hmm. like, but so there has been, there has been an increase in home health because nobody wants to go to outpatient anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see that as, I see home health, I see smaller settings. They're gonna be more attractive to patients, you know, over the next few months as they as they learn or realize, oh, my option is to go sit in a waiting room with 20 people and be in a room with 30 or 40 people or be, you know, seen at home by myself or you know, go yeah. to the clinic with one or two other people. Yeah, know. like if I was if I was gonna stay in this area, like very good opportunity to start like a part B contract company, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm gonna stay in this area, so there's no point unless I did it and sold it, but that's something I have to discuss later on. But like, um, but yeah, there's people are going to want private individualized care. Even now we see this stuff on Facebook all the time. People are like, get mad at telehealth companies because they're like, this technology is stealing my patients. And it's like, no, your patient just wants to have easy access to you. Right. Right. Yeah, they do. I mean, I, I think sometimes we make it too hard for them to get access to us. Right? Yeah. What, um, Brandon, what's your, what's your goal? What are your plans? Do you have like a five year, you know, where you want to be five, 10 years? I have a lot of stuff changing. Um, I'm just, like, I'm still always going to be a PT and treat patients. The beautiful thing about being a PT, uh, is that you can kind of always have a job, mm-hmm. uh, especially now with every stuff I've established. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I have a few opportunities open up to me since I've become kind of more popular on YouTube and Facebook groups and and so I've had lots of people reach out to me. I had one guy reach out to me yesterday about being the CEO of his company. And I was like, this is strange. And he's like, right. well, you can speak to the camera clearly. And I like your YouTube videos. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, so, so I was like, I was, I was like, okay. So like lots of stuff has opened up and mm-hmm. um, I like, uh, I've always heard that, you know, money follows attention and like the more attention I've got, the more opportunities have opened up for me to do other things. Like even my home health group is now almost a thousand people. I never thought that would happen. And even right. though it's a small number, it's all organic. So mm-hmm. it's like when it's all organic, I just, I've just realized all these opportunities have opened up. Um, I, I've thought about doing a few other things. I I've, might pursue a few other things, but right now I'm not 100% sure. I just kind of just trying to just take one day at a time and just try to put out good content and help people. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Um, 
So where, if someone wants to get some more information about you or connect with you online, what's the best place? You've got a group on Facebook, Instagram. What are, yeah, Instagram's what are probably my, my, my easiest and I'll send it to you. You can post mm-hmm. it in the show notes or what have you. Uh, but it's just like at Dr. Smith underscore DPT. So it's at dr. Smith underscore DPT on Instagram. That's the easiest way to get in contact with me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And then if someone's out there and they're interested in trying to figure out the home health thing or something else, how do they find your group or how do they? So they can search for home health mentor on Google, Facebook, YouTube, what have you. Uh, it'll come up. If you can't find it, you can email drsmithdpt at gmail.com. But other than that, it, you should be able to find it. Okay. Awesome. Is there a question I didn't ask you that you think would be helpful for the audience? I think I'm okay. Yeah, I think I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean it's it's great to have your perspective, um, not only from public health, but also as a you know a PT who hasn't been in the profession for 25 years. <laughs> you know, I mean I haven't either, but it's but I think that the future holds a lot of opportunity for people, and there more people need to see that there are many different opportunities in our profession. So thank you very much. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm kind of hoping that, you know, this, this will be the norm that people get out of PT school and start doing other things. Like, that's how you change what we right. don't like. <laughs> so. Right. 100%. So thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, this is the Cash PT Lunch Hour. Uh, my name is Aaron LeBauer. That's Brandon. Um, all you got to do is if you got something from this show, screenshot it, share it with your friends, tag us on Instagram, do a little Instagram story, and come join us on the next show. We'll see you soon. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.